chapter 1. To those of you who are watching online, thanks for tuning in. Let me encourage you all to please be aware of the Memorial Day picnic. We are looking forward to that. And don't lie, you're excited about having church early. <laughs> Going to a park and getting home early. Don't lie. Man, praise the Lord for it. It's going to be good. So uh, we, are, we are excited for special days like that when we can do those things. And uh, I've already heard this from uh, families Use this day to invite people. How many of you would say, I know somebody that's kind of uncomfortable of coming to an organized church service for different reasons. You know anybody like that? Yeah, and, and listen, it, it doesn't justify it, but we understand that that's the case. It, there are people that'll come hang out at a park and say, look, the, our church does this thing. We have, it's just a family picnic. We go to a park and there will be, our pastor will talk from some scripture, uh, but we have some, we're going to have some jumpers set up. We're going to grill. People are going to bring food. We're just going to have a good time together. There will be people who might be inclined to come check something like that out. People need to see that we are normal. <laughs> Arr, matey. I'm thinking about Brother Z's hat and that balloon. And Okay, normal-ish. We, ha- we try to have a good time serving the Lord. If we're going to do this, we might as well enjoy it. We want to be serious. We want to work hard at it. Um, but we also want to enjoy it, so thankful for that. All right, let's all stand together. Luke chapter 1, stand together to honor God's word as we read it. Verse number 5, this series, a savior for all sinners, and this is our second message out of the book of Luke. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren. And they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he, referring to Zechariah, while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. We're not going to look in depth at the description of John, who would later be known as John the Baptist, but he was sent to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And you study out this chapter as we go through it, you'll find that Gabriel in just a few months or a handful of months is going to show up to uh, another family, to a young girl, a spouse, 
to be married, named Mary. And so we pick up in verse number 18, and Zacharias said unto the angel, okay, no, wait, 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 sorry. You're burning incense, and an angel shows up. This is your question. Whereby shall I know this? This is what he's saying. How am I going to know this is true? Okay, do you remember, I might preach on this, do you remember how Mary asked, how can these things be? Her question was not motivated by skepticism. It was an honest biological question. Zacharias here is skeptical. Okay, an angel has just showed up. And your question is, how am I going to know this is going to happen? Maybe because an angel just showed up. <laughs> and this is what he says, For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, <laughs> not offended, but just really making the point, holding his feet to the fire a little bit, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings, Bro, brother, I am bringing you good news. And you're just refusing to believe it. And behold, thou shalt be dumb. Not the lack of intelligence, but the inability to speak. And not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words. How do you know he was skeptical? Because Gabriel said he was skeptical which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that, as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me, in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. So the title is this, Faithfulness and Faith. Faithfulness and Faith. And I really want to try to highlight from this text the difference from being faithful and the difference in having faith in your faithfulness. And there is a difference, and we'll look at that tonight. Father, thanks for the time together. I'm so grateful for you and for belonging to your people, and just pray that you would speak to us tonight. Thank you so much for such a rewarding and a refreshing service with the praise of your people and the praise of our children to you, and thank you that we get to be a part of raising up godly generations. And Lord, help us to love you, to be faithful to you, and to protect what you've given us, and please speak to us tonight in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. Having played basketball throughout um, elementary years, junior high and into high school, and having always been a part of a smaller school and a, a smaller team as a result of that, I know what it's like to be viewed, uh, for the team that you're on, to be viewed as the underdog. And after you've played a team a couple of times, you kind of begin to have an idea about whether or not you, at least in your mind, you have a chance to win this game. 
And uh, I remember being a part of teams, and I remember these thoughts coming into your mind. You show up for practice every day during the week or during the weeks leading up to certain games. And you show up to practice, and you practice just as hard from week to week to week, regardless of who you are playing. And you could say it this way, as a team, we were being faithful to prepare. We were faithful to practice. But then there were times, depending on who we were playing, even though we had been faithful to practice, there would be some that would say, man, in order to win, you've got to, you've got to have belief that you could win. But then you go out, and you look at who you're playing, and you're just kind of thinking, yeah, right. <laughs> We're going to try hard, but I'm not, I'm not real confident that this one's going to go our way. I'm not real confident that this is going to turn out like we want it to. You see, there's a difference between being faithful to practice and then an actual winning belief, a belief that you are going to win and that you have a chance to win. They, they overlap and they should be affected by the other, but there is a distinction that it's possible to be faithful to a cause, but then to also lack the faith that that cause is going to be productive. And that's demonstrated in sports. It's also demonstrated in scripture here. The order of priests that we read about in uh, verse number 5, it says that Zacharias, he was of the course of Abiah. David set established in 1 Chronicles 24 a course or an order of priests because of the number of priests. He established a routine whereby certain priests would be assigned to specific services during the specific times of each year and they would take turns serving different rotations and then they would all come to serve their particular rotation during major fe festivals. Well, what we know is that Zacharias was a priest and Elizabeth was also from the lineage of Aaron and as the text tells us that Zacharias in verse number five he was of the course or he was of the rotation of Abiah. His responsibilities, we read this in the text, were to burn incense before the Lord. Verse number nine, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And as best as I understand it, you had the, the holy place and the holy of holies. In the, if you notice that in verse Num, I'm sorry, I did not write this down like I needed to. In verse 21, the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. Zacharias went into where the incense altar was and the people are on the outside and they're making prayers and he's in this inner chamber that is separating the holy place and the holy of holies where the altar of incense is and he is burning incense before the Lord. And so that was his responsibility. He would have been in this area where believers were not able to come and to see what was going on. They knew, but they weren't able to watch it. And so he was consistently during his rotation, just like you have a nursery rotation, you have a safety team rotation, you have any other kind of rotation in our ministry, his rotation while he was there was to burn incense. And so he consistently and steadily, faithfully showed up to perform that responsibility during his course. 
The second thing that we notice about Zechariah and Elizabeth is that they were godly. In verse number 6, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Now don't misunderstand, salvation is not by works. Salvation should produce works, and their belief in God, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, the law cannot produce salvation, but when you obey the law, it should be evidence. Doing the work of God is evidence of salvation. When it says they're both righteous, it's not talking about them earning a standing before God. It's talking about their faith in God producing a life that was righteous before God. God does care about how we live. It says that they, how were they righteous? They were walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Their lives were a pristine testimony to the consistent nature of God and how he wanted people to live. And you could look at Zechariah and you could look at Elizabeth and you could say those two people are faithful to obey God and to live for him in a way that reflects on him well. Not only that, Zechariah and Elizabeth even though he was a priest and he was faithful, and even though they were living a godly life based out of a relationship and faith in him, they also had sorrow and disappointment. If you look at verse 7, and they had no child. They were, listen, they were righteous. They were serving God. But just as it would be to anyone who desired them, it was a great source of disappointment. Look at verse number 25. Elizabeth, after she realizes she's expecting, she prays this. Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Now listen, there should be no reproach on someone who is not able to have children. That is, but that is that the secret things of God belong to him. And when he deals in certain situations and he allows certain difficulties, that is, that is what he has allowed. And it shouldn't be a reproach, but Elizabeth recognized, especially in her day, there was a cultural stigma, a negative view, and she is rejoicing. And so that tells us up to that moment, this would have been a source of great sorrow. Are you getting it? They're serving faithfully, and yet they have sorrow in their life that they do not control. But that says something, that tells us something else about them. Their service was not based on what God would give them or wouldn't give them. Their service was based on their commitment to God. Their service was not based on God making a promise that I get to have this. God, as long as you fulfill this dream, God, as long as you give me this and you allow me to have this, then I'll be faithful to you. And that's how some people approach Christianity. God, as long as I get this opportunity, as long as I get these resources, as long as I get to do this, then I'll be faithful. They were, for decades, they were deprived of something that their heart longed for, and yet their service to God was not hindered in any way by their disappointment. The next thing we notice in verse number 8, No, excuse me, down in verse number 18, they were not young. And Zacharias said unto the angel, wherefore shall I know this? Okay, y'all enjoy the humor a little bit with me. Notice how he describes himself. I'm an old man. But then I love how he describes his woman. My wife is well stricken. (laughs) 
look, Gabriel, I'm just old. My wife is seasoned well. Well, well strict. I'm not sure this is working out at all. I just enjoy the fact that he describes himself and his wife differently, but the, the, it, what is true of him is also true of her. They are less young. They are not young anymore, and they are far past the age when you would think they would be able to have children, and yet from the time they were young to the time when they were old, this is what you would say about Elizabeth and about her husband, Zechariah. In spite of the disappointment, in spite of a culture that was up and down in its devotion to God, in spite of the sorrow that they dealt with and all the adversity, they remained faithful in serving God. They were there every time it was their responsibility to be there. And whether at home or on their ministry job, their testimony was the same. Don't you love that about people? When people have the same spirit at home that they have at church and that they have the same demeanor at work that they have at church and they have the same kind of generosity in the community that they have at church and you see people, whether it's at Walmart or it's at church, whether it's out about town or it's at church, whether it's at a ball game or at church, Aren't you thankful for the people of God who are consistently the same regardless of where they are? And I'm so thankful for that. Young men and young women and older men and older women who, whose commitment to the Lord isn't based on a building or a location or having everything the way they want or things always going their way. They are faithful because they love God and because of who He is. They are consistently working to be faithful to Him. Zacharias and Elizabeth were faithful, but there was something specifically in Zacharias' heart that was missing. So while he's performing his priestly duties, there, is a whole, there are a whole lot of people at, there at the time of incense and prayer, and Gabriel shows up to deliver a message in verse number 11, and we record this conversation all the way down through verse 22. I will summarize. Number one. Zechariah is afraid and Gabriel says, don't be afraid. Man, when God's bringing you news, when God's bringing you good news, you don't need to be afraid. I'm thinking that God brings peace with his truth. Your prayer is heard. Now, sometimes God waits a long time to answer a prayer. This isn't the message, but there's a purpose for delaying it. Because there is a greater purpose that is going to be served by the delay of that prayer being answered. And when that prayer is answered in his time instead of your time, greater things can be accomplished if you wait on him and trust him. You're, but just because the prayer isn't answered right away doesn't mean that the prayer is not heard. Elizabeth will have a son, and that son will be a source of great joy because he'll be great before God, and God will use him to turn many hearts to God. And John, in that ministry, as the Lord was preparing to come, that ministry saw many people from all walks of life, life both religious leaders and Roman soldiers and people established in the Jewish culture, it saw people come to faith in God. Before the Messiah had even showed up, they were anticipating his coming. He'll be used to prepare the hearts of people for the coming of the Messiah. So you would think that such a faithful man would be stoked to hear this. After all this time, after all of these prayers, after all this faithfulness, finally our prayer is going 
to be answered. And God, not just, not only is God going to give us a son, but God has a very special and unique purpose for this son to be the forerunner of the son of God, the Messiah. Big deal here. You would think he would be just a little bit excited. He's just a grumpy old man right here. Don't be offended. I'm not talking about y'all. At least not yet. How? No, he doesn't even say how. He says this, how am I going to know? Let me ask you a question. When it comes to the work of God, how is it that we know certain things? By what? Say it a little louder. By faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But uh, this aged priestly brother wasn't strictly operating, but operating by faith in uh, the written word yet. He had an angel standing in front of him. And I already talked about this. How am I going to know? And it's like Gabriel says, hello, do you see who's talking to you? I don't, I don't think you get that. Look in verse number 19. I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And I'm sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. What is your problem? What do you mean how, how, do you, how are you going to know? I am Gabriel and I am here talking to your face. You know what your problem is, Zechariah? You don't believe. Verse 20 because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. So Gabriel calls him out. He can't speak. He comes out. He gestures. The people, I think it says in verse number 22, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. It's kind of like biblical charades. I don't know what you're supposed to do with that, but somehow they perceive, really perceptive people here, he can't talk and he's seen a vision. He goes home and uh, through the natural relationship of a man with his wife, even in their older years, Elizabeth conceives and uh, the process begins of a child that God will use in a mighty way. So make sure you get the difference. In the first part of this text, Zechariah was faithful to God. But then when it came time for God to do something amazing for and through Zechariah, he didn't have the faith to believe it. Zechariah was somewhat lacking in faith to God. Now I understand that these two characteristics, faithfulness to and faith in, they overlap and they, they should be affecting one another. But it is possible that an individual can be faithful to the processes that God has given him responsibility for, but to lack faith that God will use those processes or use him or her to be used in a significant way in the work of God. In other words, it would look something like this on a basketball court. It would look something like this. 
I'm going to show up to practice and work hard because it's what I know I ought to do. But when it comes time to the game, I know there's no way we're going to win. It would look like this at a job. I'm going to show up on time and I'm going to work hard because it's what I know I'm supposed to do. But I know in the end, it's not going to make any difference and it won't be appreciated and God won't use it. And I really don't know that this will take care of my family anyway. And it can show up like this in parenting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful to parent my kids and to work with my kids and to teach my kids. But in the end, there's so many bad things and crazy things in this culture. I just seriously doubt that all this peewee and patch and all the things that I'm doing at home, I seriously am skeptical that it's going to make any difference in their lives. It can show up in a marriage. I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do in this marriage. But I seriously doubt that this, is, this has the ability to make any difference or that God will work or if it does work out that God will help me. We can be faithful and yet not have faith that God can work. We go through the motions without believing that he can do great things. Now look, it's not a guarantee that God will do all that we want, but we must have faith that believes that God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think even if it's not in the things working out the way that we want them to, that even in our sorrows and our disappointments, even in our losses and our difficulties, that God has got something bigger that he is working at and he is doing. Remember this about God. When he, has, when he says no in one area, there is usually a greater yes that he is preparing you for. There's something else he wants you to say yes to. And he said no for a long time to them having any children so that they could say yes to having a son that would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So here's the statement. Faithfulness to show up is not the same as faith. And I've worded this differently, but it's not the same as faith to believe up. See, what do you mean believe up? Believe that what God is capable of is far greater than what you can see and what you can feel in your present circumstances and in the present moments. Now, consider the effects. Faithful service to God without faith in God can limit the effectiveness of the service. Now, I'm thankful that God uses us even when we doubt But there are times when the skepticism will bleed over into the hearts of other people and we have this attitude, I'm going to do this, but it's really not going to make any difference. Now be honest, we've all struggled with that. I'm going to pass out this track, I'm going to try to witness to this person, but I already know it's not going to make any difference. Well, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to them about reconciliation, I'm going to do my best, but I already know it's not going to make any difference. Well, I'm going to talk to that individual about this area of struggle, but I already know this isn't going to make any difference. Well, I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray, but I already know it's not going to make any difference in my heart. Well, I'm going to try again and I'm not going to give up because I know I'm supposed to, but I already know it's not going to make it, it's not going to make it any difference or any improvement in my habits or in my attitude in my home and and please be honest about this when we are faithful without faith when we consistently perform our responsibilities without a belief that those those executions of what God wants us to do will make any difference we do them with a different level of intensity at times and we just kind of have this attitude like I'm doing it be just this I'm doing it just to say that I did it. 
without ever expecting God to do anything in you. People show up to church that way. Come on, I'm, I'm almost done. People show up to church that way. No, I'm going to show up because I know I need to show up, but I really doubt anything. I mean, basically, he has one message that he preaches all the time. And I seriously doubt that God's going to have anything positive that he can say to me or anything that he can help me with. I'm going to pray for that person, but it's been so long. Come on, I know that you've thought this before. I'll pray for them one more time, but I seriously doubt it's going to do any good. Why? Because it's been so long. You cannot possibly know all the things that God is going to do through withholding an answer or through the disappointment or through the bad decisions of others. And you, you go through motion simply to be faithful, but you become skeptical that God will do any good in your life. And that can bleed over into others. Faithful service without faith in the God you serve can limit the effectiveness of that service. Look on the other side of the coin. Faith in God without faithful service to God produces no work that God can use. Hey, I get, personally, I have a huge problem with people saying I love you and then not behaving in a way that is indicative of love. I can't stand it. It would be better to just never say I love you than to lie with your actions because love produces an action. Love is an action. You know what else produces action? Faith. I believe in God. I've trusted him as my savior. I believe God. Praise the Lord. But that faith should produce an act. People who are actually believing in God to one degree or another, you can see something in their life about it. And so we're not saying that one doesn't affect the other or produce the other. We're just saying that claiming to have faith or actually having faith in God, but never allowing that faith to manifest itself in serving someone, in investing in someone, and in getting involved in ministry, and helping out in different ways, and helping out in your neighborhood. If that faith never produces an act, then what good is it in accomplishing the work of God. I'm just trusting God. Well, faith produces actions. So the statement one more time. We need both faithfulness to show up and faith to believe up. Um, I've, I've used them as an illustration before, but I'm going to do it again because I love the story. UMBC, I think. I could be getting this wrong. Their mascot was something like the Labradors. They went into the NCAA tournament as a 16 seed versus Virginia, who was the overall number one seed, I believe. And this is what everybody said. They're going to win, many picking them to go to the Final Four to win it all. These guys have no chance. Everybody believed that except for those guys. They weren't just faithful to prepare. They believed. And then you know what they did? They went out and they won the game. And part of that was it wasn't just affected by the faithfulness. It was also affected by the belief. Listen, we need to be a church that isn't just faithful to the processes God has established. We need to be a church that believes that even through our disappointments and our struggles and things we don't understand, that God is able to do some amazing and wonderful things. 
I don't just want to be a church that consistently shows up. I want to be a church. I want to be a body of believers that shows up with expectation that God, maybe today it'll be a small thing. Maybe today you're going to blow the roof off and it'll be a big thing. But God, I am expecting you, not in a demanding way, but I have faith that you are working today. And even if I go through what seem like long seasons of spiritual drought or uncertainty, and I go through difficulties where people have failed me or where I miss out on things. God, I'm not going to lose sight that in my faithfulness you are still working, and there will come moments when you do things to give me opportunities and to use me and to take me to other levels. And God, I want to be not just faithful, but I want to have faith that when you begin to work in ways that I can see, that I don't stand there skeptical, but I'm ready to get on board with what you are doing. Man, God can do great things. I want to, this is simply a message about this. I don't just want to be faithful to the great God. I want to have faith in his greatness. I don't just want to do this because we know we're supposed to. I want to do it because I believe it's going to produce something of eternal value value in amazing ways in the life of this community before God. So let's make sure. You say, Pastor, it's a Sunday night, and it's almost been an hour and a half. Obviously, we're faithful. But I don't just want to be faithful. I want to have faith that the faithfulness to him will be rewarded when he's ready by him. Look at, man, these little kids... Mm. Okay, look, it is hard, it's hard, you teach them every week, it's hard, because, I mean, I know your little four-year-old angel is amazing, <laughs> but when you put all those four-year-old little angels together, it's something else. It's like taking up a Happy Meal and a meal from Taco Bell and blending it all together and saying, here, drink this. It can get a little chaotic in there. You got these kids like, <laughs> like, what in the world is going on right now? I don't just want workers that are faithful to show up. I'm serious about this. I, I want this. I, I want people to strive for this. I don't just want workers that show up to consistently work with our little children. I want workers who are able to see 10 and 15 years down the road and believe that God will take this work and produce servants that love him and want to, and want to honor him and live for him. Man, we're getting ready to go to camp. I don't just want to go to camp because that's what we do. No, we've got workers in the Feavis and the Wicklands and others who come along and help. And we have preachers who will prepare and teachers who will prepare and people who will pray. And we'll go through those processes because it's the right thing. And we'll have fundraisers because it's the right thing. And we try to be a people of character that do the right thing. But I don't ever just want to go to camp because it's the thing that we do and it's the right thing to do. I want to go to camp every year and I want to be a part of every service believing that God is able to do something great in these young people's lives. I don't, I don't want to just be faithful to him. I want to have faith in him that he can do something great. I want to be faithful to preach to you. When it's good, when it's bad, 
Last Sunday night when I'm all over the place and I'm telling you to look at one verse and that verse has nothing to do with the point I'm trying to make and I just feel like it's a train wreck the entire service. I, I want to be faithful to trudge through those and learn from them. I want to be faithful to preach the word of God and to study and prepare. But I don't just want to be faithful to preach. I want to get up here and preach with some faith that whether I see the outward fruit or, uh, or not, that God takes his word and he promised his word will not return void. And over the course of a lifetime, the word that is faithfully preached will produce eternal fruit that cannot be taken away. I want to have faith in that. I don't just want to go through motions. Man, I want to love people. I want to love people. I want you to love people. Say, God, I want to be faithful to love because it's what I ought to do, but I want to love because I believe that it will produce eternal fruit that far exceeds anything that I could have ever imagined. Let's make sure that we understand the difference between faithfulness and faith. And that if we are lacking in one or the other, that we ask God to help us and we take steps to begin to correct it. I'm not saying that if you see that yeah, I'm lacking, that we just check out. No, but work at improving it. Let's all stand together. Faithfulness to show up. Faith to believe up. God is great. Brother Nate's going to begin to sing, and if the Lord has spoken to your heart, you be responsive to him. Father, thank you for the chance to assemble. Thank you for a good night. Thank you for a wonderful program, opportunity to hear your truth. Lord, I pray that you would bless our response and help us in our hearts and in our daily walk with you to love you. And God, not just to be faithful to do the right thing, but to believe that the right thing, even if it's not when or how we want it, that doing what we should will be rewarded and blessed in ways that only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. While Brother Nate begins to sing, if God has spoken to your heart, you respond to him.